now's the time to rethink everything and almost a forcing function to look at our teams, look at our jobs, look at how we spend our time, look at what we value, what we place as important and make sure that they're the right things because life is precious and life is short. And just to think about a few weeks ago, none of this was on our radar. It really does go to show you that being confronted in these moments can turn out okay. That's Heather Stern from Lip and Cons. Heather's here to talk about branding and the time of COVID-19 and how the pandemic's transforming how companies and organizations are perceived and what they should value moving forward. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. For our strategic advice and expertise on what healthcare industry stakeholders should do in response to COVID-19, read our online healthcare publication, Oliver Wyman Health at health.oliverwyman.com and follow us on Twitter at OWHealthEditor. Thanks and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Oliver Wyman Health Podcast. I'm Partha Bose, Oliver Wyman's Chief Marketing Officer. Today, I'm joined by Heather Stern, Senior Partner and Chief Marketing Officer of Lippincott. Heather, welcome. Thank you, Partha. Excited to be here. For those of you who may be unfamiliar with Lippincott, the leading branding agency, its storied history dates all the way back to the early days of American industrial renaissance. We all experience its creative talents every day. If you, like me, drink Coke, you may have wondered, why is it red? It's because of Lippincott. Why does the new Starbucks siren have a slight asymmetry on her face. It's Lippincott again. Heather and I are in a virtual fireside chat, and that's not a sound effects record. That's the sound of an actual fire that we lit while we were talking. Let me begin this conversation with a little discussion about demand. After all, what's the most important role of marketing or branding? It is to generate demand. We know that the COVID-19 pandemic has wrought and will bring profound levels of global economic disruption. Entire product and service lines might disappear, companies may shudder, and many industries will be deeply disrupted. Even where demand might return, it might be months before we come back to pre-crisis levels. In fact, many observers believe that people just aren't going to be rushing out to buy expensive cars, homes, or vacations after the COVID-19 crisis abates. In the past, however, we've also witnessed phenomenal innovations that have emerged during or just after a major crisis. Candlemaker William Proctor joined forces with his brother-in-law, James Gamble, who was a soap maker during the first ever financial crisis the United States ever had, which was the Panic of 1837. And a few years later, Mr. Proctor and Mr. Gamble not only survived, but prospered, supplying necessities like soaps and candles to the Union Army during the Civil War. And Proctor and Gamble, the giant consumer goods company that we all know, got launched. Steve Jobs, introduced the iPod, the first portable music player, in October 2001, only a month after September 11, 
And when the U.S. was still in an economic downturn brought about by the shattering of the dot-com bubble only a year earlier in 2000. We all know it changed the fortunes of Apple. And Netflix not only prospered during the Great Recession of 2008-2009, but completely made blockbuster passe. Guess what? During tough times, while consumers may slash many expenditures, they like entertainment and they loved Netflix's fixed fee a month model. And we noticed that during COVID-19 as well, people are watching Netflix constantly. Corporate history is replete with stories of innovation or entire companies born out of tough times. Heather, what do you see from your approach at Lippincott about new forms of demand emanating from consumers? Do you think that this whole experience of remote working and social distancing might make us all more open to more digital rather than tactile engagements? Yeah, it's a great question and certainly one that as Lippincott we've been uh, grappling with. I think it's it's times like these where uh, fundamentally our, our behaviors, our attitudes are, are shifting and in such a profound way because this isn't just a blip. This is a pretty significant period of time. We've now been doing things differently, at least here in the United States, for you know four to six weeks. And we've been settling into new ways of working, new ways of consuming. Um, and I think really at the most fundamental level, this is kind of a humanitarian crisis where we're looking at all aspects of our lives, um, certainly our, our health, um, thinking about certainly our finances, our safety, education, um, just the, the, the social interactions and experiences that we crave or in fact are happy to, to have given up. So I think coming out of this and already you're going to start to see a shift in demand, um, a shift in priorities and what people value. I think Every single one of us is, is, you know, probably been confronted with some moments of existential thinking of, you know, what are the things I'm going to be doing differently? What are the things I'm going to be doing the same? Um, and what really matters to me? What do I value and what's important? And all of those are going to influence how I buy, how I shop and the kinds of brands that I affiliate with. And so, you know, interestingly, now is a time that I think companies um, are really thinking not just about the immediate opportunity uh, to be there for their customers, uh, show them that they care, in some cases focus not just on the bottom line, but on, on doing the right thing. But I, I also think brands need to be shifting towards kind of post-pandemic, whenever that may be, you know, because I think that uncertainty is what's driving um, a lot of anxiety for businesses right now, but kind of how do we want to respond and and what permission do we have to play in our consumers lives in a, in a new and exciting way so i i think it remains to be seen whether you know digital will 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 prevail obviously this has accelerated our uh kind of con consumption of all things digital and has shown just how integral it is to our lives. But I wouldn't be surprised if we emerge out of this and, and more physical uh, social experiences become even more what we crave rather than than things, so to speak. Sure. No, thank you for that. And and you've actually set this up very well because you've talked about the values, the, no the notion of brand purpose 
and also the interactions that we as consumers might have either from a technological point of view or a physical point of view with the brands that, that matter to us. But let's dig a little deeper into the piece about technological disruption that is making consumers interact with brands more digitally, definitely at this time, um, but might actually uh, get enhanced over time. And, and often what that comes across is uh, they experience it digitally, they also experience the brand physically, and it puts pressure on brands to provide a seamless experience through all of the different channels. Most of us don't go into bank branches anymore or even interact with ATMs, for example. But in those instances where our online banking or mobile banking systems don't permit us to do what we want to do, we do interact with an ATM or God forbid, interact with a human teller at a bank branch. Similarly in healthcare, you know, we may be open to interacting with a virtual doctor uh, using our smartphone, tablets, or computers. Uh, and, and of course we're doing that, you know, in spades right now during this period of COVID. And even may go to the extent of having our x-rays, for example, initially read by an AI system, but we still want that interaction with an expert medical practitioner. After all, as they say, which patient would ever want their cancer diagnosis made by an AI system? We still rely on the judgment of a well-trained medical professional. So whether it's in healthcare or in financial services, there's a unique and kind of differentiated experience that a brand needs to evoke at every, every point that a consumer interacts with it. It's as if brands need a muscle memory that pervades the experience that consumers have at every touch point. So the question for you is, how well do you think brands have been able to offer this notion of a similar seamless experience that builds on one another, no matter what channel someone may be interacting with it, and advances what the brand stands for as a, as a whole? Yeah, I think it's a great question. Certainly, the notion of omni-channel experiences and the impact that digital technologies have had on all businesses has created um, ongoing efforts, uh, particularly for incumbents, to be seen on par with some of the more innovative upstart kind of unicorn companies. And, and what I expect from, as you said, my bank versus what I expect from my technology provider versus what I expect from my retailer in a way all becomes the same because you know digital has become this, this leveler where all of my experiences, I kind of want to be at the same level of um, seamlessness, of, of ease, of delight, of uh, personalization more and more. And so I think this has been something that obviously all companies have been grappling with. I think this period of time is going to accelerate those efforts and has really been able to shine a light on where things are falling down versus versus not for companies. And so I think that it will just continue to see that trend can uh, accelerate. You know, lots of organizations have been thinking about the, the role that digital can play in extending the experience, certainly in healthcare, the notion of uh, teledocs and telemedicine has been around for a while. 
um, as has, you know, virtual coaching sessions and therapy sessions. But I think a lot of people had been reluctant uh, because they certainly had other choices. But now that they don't have those choices and have been forced to try new ways of engaging, I think we'll see some of those habits will stick. And um, again, a greater acceleration of the digital experiences that we value. Um, and in some cases, people will go back to what is comforting. And I think it's just going to uh, depend on the individual and and certainly the experience. But if companies are able to utilize this time to really push forward on new and innovative ways to use digital to connect with their customers, I think they'll see certainly returns on the on the back end. Heather, you you touched on the issue of brand value or trust in brands, and we've been witnessing some significant shifts in what or who people trust the most. It used to be that in the old days, or even up until a few years ago, in many countries, citizens trusted the government, the media, major public private institutions, or leading nonprofits. The latest Edelman Trust Survey says that the circle of trust for consumers has narrowed to what they can see, feel, touch, and even control. Trust in their employers has become the most trusted of all categories of trust. People want to believe in their employers and want their employers to believe in them. They want their employers to stand for much more than providing them with a stable employment and financial security. They want their employers to do right by the societies they operate in, stand up against economic or social ills, and want their corporate leaders to get in the fray about important issues that matter to them, inclusion, diversity, economic opportunities, um, wealth divide, and so on. And in this time of COVID-19 pandemic, we have witnessed major companies, including our own Oliver Wyman, tell its employees, while we are in the thick of this global pandemic, your job is safe. Many others like Morgan Stanley, Bank of America, Salesforce, Denon, have made similar commitments. This is a big step in the right direction of firms and employees expressing a deep sense of loyalty to each other. Many management and leadership experts believe this is a, there's a massive upside for firms from such experiences of being in this together or expressions of being in this together. Take care of employees and they will take care of everything else. Major consumer-oriented brands like Southwest Airlines and Virgin Atlantic obviously have been practitioners of this approach for, for a long time. Do you think that this is the beginning of a broader shift that we will be witnessing that the employee brand will become or has become a centerpiece of a firm's branding strategy and tactics? You know, I think that we've seen, um, when you think about trust, just a decline in trust across the board for many, many years. And, you know, at Lippincott, we have a, a report called Welcome to the Human Era. And it really is about that fundamental shift in trust from institutions to people like me. And a lot of that came from the rise of 
the rating system and the recommendations and social media ecosystem that allowed us to kind of get the truth and um, and with that, the demand of transparency about uh, how how brands and businesses operated, what they stood for, what they valued. And I think what's interesting in terms of what's happened in the last few weeks with COVID is for, for many individuals, I, I think their employer is potentially something that they took for granted to a certain extent and maybe had affiliation, certainly in loyalty, especially with those that were in their pods, their groups, their departments, you know, their offices. But now that we've all been kind of confronted with this globally at the same time, you do have this much more human, vulnerable, open sense of community within places of work, whereby, you know, what used to be the quarterly all-employee call is now the weekly all-employee call. And what used to be quite scripted in terms of the key messages that we're going to send out and the decisions that that we've made or are going to make and, and real confidence in kind of what the next few months will bring has been replaced with open agendas and open dialogues and an, um, kind of a, a real honest sense of we're not sure how this is going to work out, but we're in this together and we care for you. And I think that people have been sharing stories and people have been also truly um, opening up their homes to one another. And with that, uh, seeing, you know, people who uh, are uh, balancing uh, both their job and parental skills or caretaking um responsibilities. And so it's just created a, a really different sense of what my employer, who my employer is and, and, and what my job means to me. And it's yes, job security, which I think everybody is, is concerned with. And the unemployment numbers came out today. Um, and it's just, it's, it's stunning how, how fast things have changed in just a few months. But I also think it's the sense that people are really seeing each other um, on a much more kind of eye to eye level, literally, and also just opening up in ways that I think have been difficult for companies. An employer brand and understanding broadly what a company stands for, I think has always been important and particularly to the you know new generation of talents that are coming through the ranks. But I absolutely see a sense of community camaraderie um, and real togetherness that I do believe will maintain itself after all of this and, and hopefully create stronger cultures and the kinds of cultures that we've all talked about wanting to build, but this has become a real forcing function for it. Yeah, when you when you talked about uh, opening up our homes, like I can't miss out on the opportunity that that might present to companies about thinking about the brand personality. I mean, at this time of shelter in place, social distancing, and remote working, we're all, as you said, you know, trying to manage our professional commitments with our personal demands at home, whether it be, you know, taking care of young children, a sick family member, a neighbor, or elderly parents. We're all we're all performing a balancing act. Consequently, we also find ourselves moving between the formal and the informal more seamlessly than we may have ever before. The managing director of the IMF, Kristalina Georgieva, recently spoke about how her organization, which has always held an image of being 
at least sartorially buttoned down. I think it's buttoned down in every way. Um, and always prim and proper. Now, deliberating on critical issues like underpinning the public finances of major countries with billions of dollars of emergency loans, special drawing rights, or SDRs uh, in their parlance. She went on to say, while in the past, all such discussions would have entailed everyone sitting around a boardroom table in proper suits, she wouldn't be surprised today if many are joining these calls um, wearing their pajama bottoms. <laughs> so do you think COVID-19 may force brands to better articulate their personality, maybe even you know, subscribing to more of a Silicon Valley style aesthetic, uh, which many have distanced themselves from? Yeah, I think this is the time when you really are starting to see the authentic selves of the leaders that you work with, the employees that you work with, and and as well, the, the brands that you engage with when you think about the communications that are coming out, the commitments that are being made. Um, and so I think that it, it may result in a bit of a loosening of some corporate cultures that have been particularly buttoned up. But I, I think it's it always has to be something that is true to who that organization is. And while we all might be in our sweatpants today, I, I, I do think when we go back, uh, lots of people will be um, kind of welcoming the opportunity to put on a suit or a tie or a dress. And I don't think we'll see just across the board this kind of relaxed situation being the norm. But I, I, I do think that it's allowed companies to to open up a little bit the aperture for how they want to engage. And again, we talk about personality and brand personality. Um, I think this has just created a sense of trying to find humor in what have been some pretty dark days, uh, showcasing just some new ideas that are coming from all sorts of parts of the organization, creating just more just open communication between all levels of an organization. Those are the kinds of things, you know, beyond a dress code that I think are going to stick as we reemerge from this. Right. And it probably has to reflect kind of authentically who they are. So it can't be just embracing a cultural archetype that's or a personality that's not consistent with who they are, which brings me to a important issue, which you also touched on at the beginning of our conversation, which is on the core purpose of organizations. And obviously there's been a lot of recent work in the area of ESGs, which just to remind everyone stands for environmental, societal, and governance, sustainability. But a lot of work in the area of ESGs have forced or prompted many CEOs to acknowledge that they, their organizations have a broader purpose than just maximizing shareholder value. And in this time of COVID-19, we have witnessed many companies doing all they can to help ameliorate the pain and suffering of not only employees and customers, but of suppliers and neighbors and entire societies in which they live and operate. Walmart, for example, has turned its parking lots into COVID-19 drive-through 
testing facilities. CVS has um, gotten its 40,000 doctors and nurses to man test centers. L'Oreal and LVMH Moy Hennessy has shifted its assembly lines that previously used to manufacture perfumes and lotions to making hand sanitizers. And Gap, Zara, and Hanes are putting on face masks and other protective equipment uh, on manufacturing plants that once made clothes and, and dresses and fashion items that we all uh, went after. And many telecoms and cable providers have increased bandwidths to enable their communities, especially vulnerable communities that need the bandwidth for remote learning and just connection, connectivity. These are all noticeable differences that these companies are making for, again, not only their customers, but for society at large. And they have been able to very visibly show what they are as a company. These are major commitments that show how they contribute to the world and what matters most to them in making their customers' lives better. So do you think that COVID-19 will have brought about definitive shifts in the purpose of organizations and here on? And, and companies will be judged on the basis of what they contribute more broadly to the various aspects of ESG in a manner that they you know, have hitherto never been. Yeah, I mean, I think that we've spoken about this in a, in a piece that was recently published called Brand as a Beacon. And in a way, you know, we've always talked about the importance of purpose and, and, and purpose in the sense of, you know, it's not just a, a statement of what you stand for, but it's what you do because of what you stand for. And it's the actions that you take and the behaviors that you exhibit and that those should be the guiding force for, for everything that you do. And so in a time like this, it's thinking about what that purpose is and how to turbocharge its meaning and use it to, as you said, uh, create relief to individuals, to communities, to, to do whatever you know you can with the assets that you that you have created to help the situation i think on the flip this is a time when it's very clear if you don't have you know that strong sense of purpose to guide you if um really it has been more of a, a functional kind of role that you've played um in in a world in which functional yes but emotional and social are just as important in terms of the needs that we have so i think purpose is is particularly important in these times because it really becomes a filter for decision making um and and i think that the the whole um trend of organizations kind of coming to terms that the purpose of the corporation isn't just for shareholder value, but is to meaningfully contribute to society is something that has been gaining force. And, you know, certainly when you have organizations having to make extremely tough decisions about, you know, furloughing hundreds of thousands of employees or, you know, shutting down their, their operations, it's very hard to say, well, how is that, you know, a sign of your purpose? But I think these are very extreme circumstances. I think in most cases you'll find companies are finding really innovative ways to bring their purpose to life, to, to help people in this time. And yes, both for customers and employees, how you show up now and the ways in which we behave now and today 
um, are, are going to be a lasting uh, kind of sign of how people will see us in the future. And so I, I think that, you know, we will kind of look back on this time and, and point to those that have been able to uh, really shine and, 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 you know, break down traditional ways of working and um, of, of defining success and, and hopefully will be uh, all for the better and, and others who, who probably will have suffered and, and may not bounce back. And, and I do really believe that that comes down to the most fundamental, you know, who we are as an organization and, and what do we do because of what we believe in. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right that you know there there are lots of companies who are being forced into furloughs and layoffs. I mean the the unemployment figures continue to be staggering. So, but for many of these companies, you know they probably have no other option. But it's how do they go about taking action? You know, if they're doing it thoughtfully in a sensitive way. It's one thing if they're just kind of going and doing it in in mass without the thought and sensitivity. I think it is going to come back to haunt them longer term. Yes, Heather, was there anything that uh, <laughs> we did not cover that you hoped we would cover? Oh, I think this was a, a a great conversation and and one that you know I've been reflecting on over the last few days as we were preparing for this, and I just would encourage you know, all of us to just be thinking about how can we be better, do better, you know, once we come out of this, which we will, how can we, you know, come into something that is is actually going to be better than than where we started, which is which is a hard thing to kind of wrap our head around is there is still so much devastation and um, suffering around us. But but that's kind of what I'm holding on to. And that you know now's the time to rethink everything and almost a, a forcing function to look at our teams look at our jobs look at how we spend our time look at what we value what we place as important and make sure that they're the right things because life is precious and life is short and just to think about a few weeks ago none of this was on our radar it really does go to show you that being confronted in these moments can turn out okay. So that's my hope. And I'm trying to hold on to that despite the challenge of, you know, going through day in and day out what feels like, you know, Groundhog's Day. But um, but it was a great conversation. And and I look forward, hopefully, to revisiting this in, in a couple months and hopefully being able to tell even more stories of, of companies that have done great things during this time. On that hopeful and positive note. Heather, thank you for a most stimulating and interesting and engaging virtual Farsight chat. Please be well and, and all the very best wishes to you and your family. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Same to you, Partha. The Oliver Wyman Health Podcast is brought to you by the global management consulting firm, Oliver Wyman. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to subscribe so you'll be notified whenever a new episode goes live. For more information, follow us on Twitter at OW Health Editor and visit our online healthcare publication, Oliver Wyman Health at health.oliverwyman.com. Thanks. We'll see you next time.